0: Romans chapter eight, we're still there. I think this is the third week in chapter eight. And this is the part fourteen of our series called Grace, which is God's Riches at Christ's Expense. God's Riches at Christ's Expense. And when we get to the the end of Romans, hopefully you'll at least remember that much. If you don't remember anything else that we talked about, we'll remember that grace, the word grace, it really embodies that it's the riches of God at Christ's expense. Jesus had to die. For us, so that we would receive it. So last week we left off Romans chapter 8, starting in, uh, uh, we, were, we were in verse 16, but I don't know, I don't need to hit verse 16 there. So let's read this part. We'll, we'll just go to verse 16, just to be on the safe side. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If we indeed suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified with him. Now this is where we left off last week. Now let's continue reading the scripture here that we may be also uh, that if we indeed suffer with him that we may also be glorified with him for I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed to us. The eager expectation of the creation waits for the appearance of the sons of God, for the creation was subjected to the futility not willingly, but by the will of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to the corruption, the slavery to corruption, into glorious freedom of the children of God. So I wanted to start off today talking about suffering. Now suffering and being weak in something is not exactly the same thing. A lot of times, you know, I, I've I've heard I was teaching one time on a Wednesday night in another church, and I was talking about suffering, and I was talking about persecution, and one of the guys was like, oh, yeah, well, we go through persecution every day. He said, I had a flat tire the other day, and I was like, what? That's not persecution. That's just your tire had a weakness, <laughs> you had a nail go through it. You know, you didn't have, that. that yeah, you, you might have felt like you were suffering, but you still, you were able to, to repair your tire, right? When we talk about suffering for Christ, we need to understand something. Many churches today, many churches today don't want to teach that we're going to suffer. Because it is a lot, uh, when we look at the self-help gurus, and I call it the self-help gospel, but if you look at self-help people, what what are the things that they do to get you going, to keep you going, to keep anxiety away from you, to keep you from worrying about things? They stay positive everything's positive everything is good everything's going to be great all you got to do is just be positive and everything will be positive be great everything's going to be great talk good and everything's going to be good but the scriptures tell us tell us that suffering is special as a matter of fact Paul here he's saying you know the suffering that I'm going through doesn't compare to the glory that I'm going to be able to be a part of when I get to heaven you know, the suffering that you go through because you're a Christian, because you love the Lord, doesn't compare. In, in America, we don't understand suffering like some of these third world countries. We don't understand suffering for, as a Christian, like maybe in Iraq or, or North Korea or China or some of these other places, Africa, many African countries. We don't understand suffering because to us to suffer means that somebody has, said, has made fun of us. That they, oh, you're a Christian, oh, you're one of those holy rollers, you're this, that, and the other. That's what suffering is to us. But suffering over there means that they have come under intense persecution. And if we remember the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul came under intense persecution. He was stoned multiple times. He was stoned multiple, now, listen, that doesn't mean he was smoking something, okay? That means they were throwing big rocks on him, okay? That's what it means by stone. I just want to make sure everybody here understands that. Because I tell you, there's a lot of people out there today that are stoned, but it's, it's the wrong way. It, they're, they're, it's drugs. Paul was stoned multiple times. He was, he was left for dead many times. He was shipwrecked. He goes, we could go through the scripture where he goes through everything that has happened to him. All the, all the, all the things that happened to him. But he says, you know, this suffering that I'm doing today. You know, Paul didn't even have to go through this suffering. Remember? He had it all. He was going around persecuting Christians. He could have continued to do that, but he made a switch. Jesus came and got a hold of his life. There's an old song that says that, you know, Jesus got a hold of my life. He got into my soul, something like that. You know, Jesus got into him and changed who he was. And when he changed, he literally changed the path he was on. Changed the path from being a persecutor to being one that was leading people to Jesus, that was sharing the gospel with others and i want to say something to you have you done something wrong have you sinned have you messed up always we can look back at paul and say man this guy messed up a lot but god took him turned him around and used him to write multiple books in the new testament pretty much half of the new testament book was written by the apostle paul somebody who went around persecuting other people other believers, people who believed in Jesus. So don't ever look at yourself. Don't ever look back and go, oh, I'm not worthy. I'm no longer worthy because I've made a mistake. I did something wrong. Instead, say, no, when Jesus changes my life, he makes me worthy. It's this grace that we talk about. When the grace of Christ comes into us, the riches of Christ come into us. What did he say? That we are heirs and joint heirs with Christ. We have everything at our disposal. The scriptures say that Jesus said that these things... And much more will you do in my name. These things and much more. And what Jesus did was amazing. But he says, even more you're going to do. We can walk in that and stop walking the past. Stop looking the past and stop beating yourself up going, oh my goodness, I was this horrible person. Say, no, this is who I am now and walk in that. And every time the devil brings that past up to you, say, no, no, I'm a new creature. I've been made brand new. I've been made totally brand new because I gave my life to Christ. I gave my life to Christ. Remember that. Mark 19, starting, or Mark 13, starting in verse 9. Mark 13, starting in verse 9, going through verse 13. It says, But take heed, for they will hand you over to councils, and in synagogues you will be beaten. You will be brought before rulers and kings for my sake as a testimony to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. But when they arrest you and hand you over, take no thought beforehand or premeditate what you should speak. But speak whatever is given you in that time, for it is not you who speaks, but the Holy Spirit. Now a brother will betray his brother to death, and the father his son. Children will rise up against their parents and will cause them to be put to death. You will be hated by all men for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. You will be hated. I know this is not something that the church in the United States of America likes to teach. As a matter of fact, we want to teach that people are going to love you. If you're a Christian, if you're a Christ follower, if you're a good person, that people are going to love you. But the opposite is true. The point of the matter is, is this, we've been going through Romans, we've been seeing that sin is at the forefront, and that grace covers that sin. But if you don't know that sin is there, if you don't know that you're living a life of sin, if nobody tells you that, then why would you even know that you need grace? that's what the law is there for right the law it exposes our sin but we can't live up to the law there's nothing we can do right we've talked about that it's the grace that covers us and makes us white as snow the 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 blood of jesus makes us white as snow it is that grace that covers us up so when somebody wants to tell you that i'm i'm going to lead you to christ i'm going to lead you to be a christian and things are going to be hunky-dory and everything's going to be perfect and people are going to like you because you're a nice person you better be careful I'm not saying go out and make people hate you, okay? Don't kick your neighbor's dog or anything like that, right? Don't make people hate you. Don't go around telling people you're going to hell, you know, because you're a horrible person. Uh, you know, that's not the way, way you need to do it. Jesus wasn't even that way. Jesus took time out with people. If you look at the woman at the well, he went to the woman at the well. He didn't start out with, hey, guess what? You, you rest up. He started out with, hey, can I get, a, can I get some water? You go well. What was the difference? The woman at the well. Well, Jesus was a Jew, and this is a Samaritan. He already was not supposed to be doing this. He wasn't even supposed to be conversing with her. She was a nobody. But he's saying, "Hey, could you give me some water?" What did he do? He already started conversation and said, "Hey, I'm willing to talk to you, even though you're different, even though tradition says I'm not supposed to talk to you. I'm willing to talk to you. I'm willing to spend some time with you." And in this process. In this process, he never had to say, boy, you're a horrible sinner. As, what does she do? In the story, she's sitting there, and he's saying, go get your husband. And she goes, oh, but I, uh, I don't have a, oh, that's right, you don't have a husband. As a matter of fact, you, you've been married and divorced multiple times, right? You this, that, and the other. And what happened then? Then she goes back. She says, oh, he's told me everything that, that, about my life. You've got to come listen to this guy. But he didn't start out with condemning her. He didn't start out with, with condemning her at all. Instead, he started out with a relationship with her. We've been learning on Wednesday nights that this is what we need to do with people. We need to have a relationship with people. I think we could get gung-ho. We uh, used to, when I was in college in, in Waxahachie, we went down on the weekends and we'd witness the people down in Deep Ellum and, and East End and different places in Dallas. Some of those places are pretty, pretty bad. We'd go down there and witness to them. Well, there was another, another group that would come down and witness, and they were great people, loved them. We'd go down and we'd say, hey, you know what? Can we talk to you a minute? Can we talk to you? And we would start talking, hey, my name's Adam. What's your name? And you'd go back and forth. You'd start a little conversation, build a little bit of rapport with them, and then you'd start telling them, did you know? Do you know about Jesus? And then maybe they know about Jesus, and then we'd say, well, can we pray with you? It's, it's really what Connie's doing, a lot of what Connie and, and we do on the prayer meeting, uh, prayer walks. But we started those conversations with people. Well, this other group, they come, come, come in that right next to us, behind us, before us. We have running into them all the time. And they come down, they shake their hand, and they say, hey, how are you doing? You know that you are a sinner, that, you're, that you are a bad person, <laughs> that you've got all this sin in you, and you need Jesus. And it really turned people off. Why? Because they didn't start out with, hey, I'm here for you. Instead it was, I'm here to beat you up and and I'm here because I'm better than you are. So don't go to people and say, oh yeah, you know, I know I'm going to be hated so therefore I'm going to just, you know, come at you with full guns blazing. Start those relationships, but understand that you are going to be hated. And some of you have dealt with that maybe in your job, right? Maybe people that live around you, live close to you. I'm sure every one of us as a Christian, if you're walking out your Christian faith, you have come across somebody who doesn't like you. And right here, he told them, you're going to be beaten. All these things are going to happen to you. And we see this in other countries multiple times, mul- multiple occasions still to this day. Matter of fact, persecution of Christians worldwide is at an all-time high. It is, it's crazy how across the world, how many Christians are going through persecution today. So the more we get closer to, the, to Jesus doesn't mean that everything's going to be hunky-dory. But if we suffer with him, as Paul said, if we suffer... It is not compared with the glory which will be revealed to us. That suffering is not compared. So when you go through that, when you're dealing with somebody, say, you know what? This doesn't compare with what I'm fixing to, uh, fixing. That's my southern word, everybody. I'm not going to be compared. It's not going to be comparable to the glory that I'm going to receive. The glory that I'm going to receive. Have you ever wanted something and you, str- and you had to work really hard for it? And maybe in the process, maybe you wanted a, a newer car. But in the process, to get to that point, you had to drive this broken down car. And you had to save some money. And you couldn't go out to eat and you couldn't do this and you couldn't do that and you couldn't do the other thing. Why? Because you knew what the end result was. If I do all this, if I pull back and I do all this right here and I don't go to the movies and I don't spend any extra money... This is my reward at the end. I'm going to get this. And it's the same way. We say, hey, this suffering, we're going to suffer. But why? Because we know what the reward is in the end, that that glory is in the end for us. So you're going to be hated, and you've got to understand that. There are going to be people who hate you because you're a Christian. But love them back, show them that grace, and understand even though that you are, are suffering and that you're hated, that you have Uh, a great great glory that you're going to be able to be a part of now romans chapter 8 verses 22 through 25 here we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now not only that but we also who have the first fruits of the spirit grown within ourselves while eagerly awaiting for adoption the redemption of our bodies for we are saved through hope but hope that is seen is not hope for why does a man still hope for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Now, this word patience, if you really get down into it, it's probably better to translate it perseverance or per- persevere. So he's saying we what we hope for, what we do not see, we wait for with patience or we wait for with perseverance. And it's, this, it's the same thing, okay? Patience, right, we're patient. But go a little bit deeper. Not only are we patient, but we have to persevere. What did just talk about? That, that suffering that we're going to go through. That suffering that we're going to go through. And what did he say? He said in Mark, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. That suffering that we're going to be dealing with, we will persevere. If we will endure through this, we will see a glory. So the hope... We don't, we don't see. When you hope for something, right? If you've got a car, you don't go, I hope i got a car. No, you know you got a car. It's sitting out there in the parking lot. Unless you left the keys in it somebody stole it. I mean, maybe then you'd say, I would hope somebody <laughs> stole the car. But we don't have to hope for things that we see. We already see them. But our hope, Jesus, that's why we call the, the blessed hope, the return of Jesus, our blessed hope, that he's going to return one day, and he's going to take all those... Who are saved? All those who love him are going to go with him one day and be with him in heaven. But let me tell you something. As we endure and as we, as we, we go through this in, with this patient and we persevere in this hope, one of the things that I think is so sad is we've got this idea that we can just ask Jesus into our heart and we can just walk down the street and, and not do anything. All right? Well, number one, if you don't know this, Asking Jesus into your heart is not in the Bible. It's something that we, that we use, and, and I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it's something that we use, and that's why I always try to say to people that you need to give your life to Jesus. Give your life, not just your, your whole life, everything about you. But to do that, you have to, you have to live that out. You have to not just say, I'm a Christian, oh, I, I have... I've given my life to Jesus. Well, are you taking up your cross and following him? That's what he said. If you remember last week, we talked about the rich young ruler and how he came to Jesus. But there were four things that Jesus said to him, right, that you need to do. You need to love God, love your neighbor, give everything that you have to the poor, and come follow me. And the problem with us is we can't get to the come follow. We may can do some of the other stuff, but we can't get to the come follow because when Jesus asks us, when the Holy Spirit speaks into our life to do something, to change something, to be different, we want to run the other way. Wait a minute. That's a little painful. That's a little difficult. I don't want to do that. This is, it's easier to do this over here than to come over here and do this right here. And, and I think of a... a a couple of twin men that they're, they love the Lord and they're rappers and they love the Lord so much. And in the process, they had a, a record company come to them and say, hey, we want, we want to do this. And they said, okay, well, that's, well oh, we're, oh, that's great. Well, here's what we're gonna be doing. Here's what we're gonna be singing and all this. And they're like, no, 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 no. You're gonna do what we tell you to do. And it's like, but no, we, this is what the Lord has given us. This, the, we write this down, we pray over this stuff and the Lord gives us an amazing amazing guys but in the process they didn't get that record deal because they weren't willing they weren't willing to give up what jesus wanted them to do for the fame and the glory of having a having this record deal because the record wanted them to do something different totally different than what they were doing what god had called them to do so you're going to go through through that suffering you're going to go through that time uh, in in your life if you're living for jesus if you're walking it out for jesus you got to make some of those hard tough decisions even though it's easier to go the other way. You've got to make those tough decisions and say, hey, no, I'm going to make this decision over here because in the end, I'm doing it for the Lord. And so when we suffer, we have that glory. And when we're living for Christ and when we're being a Christian, when we're being a Christian, it means that we are walking it out. It doesn't mean that we come to church and we sit in a seat and call ourselves good. You know, this, this morning, this morning uh, Saxon and I were talking a little bit about this. That this is this is it, you know. He he's he's from Mexico. He says uh, down there there's really not a lot of Christians. Or a lot of Catholics, but not a lot of Christians. He says, but you come here, and there's all these Christians, but none of them act like Christians. But they call themselves Christians. Why? Because they don't have the power of God on the inside of them. They heard some little thing, like I said, you know, ask Jesus into your heart, and then they go off and they they don't live for Jesus. They're not living for Jesus. They're not they're not taking up their cross and following Jesus. They don't want to suffer. They're not willing to suffer. Well, I'm going to tell you something. When you get to heaven, when you get to heaven, the, the Bible tells us that, there, that there's going to be different, uh, different people in heaven, right? There's going to be people who rule over people, different things. So when you're down here on this earth and you're saying, man, I'm suffering, just remember, say, oh, wait a minute. When I get to heaven, I can't wait to get in front of Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, you know, what did you store up for me? And you lay it out. This is what I stored up for you. Think about the Apostle Paul coming. Hey, Apostle Paul's coming. Paul, Apostle Paul, come up here. What, what, what do you have? What gifts do you have? What have you stored up for, for uh, heaven? And he lays it all out. Well, you know, I, I was stoned all these times, and, you know, and, and, and I, I lost this, and I lost friends, and lost family members. I did all this stuff for the gospel. And he, he lays it all out. And, and the Lord's going to be like, Wow, man, this is awesome. This is great, and he's going to receive that. What's, what's it going to be with you? Is the suffering too much that you're like, oh, no, I would rather have this on earth? I would rather just store this up. And when you get to heaven, and, and the Lord says, okay, Adam, how, how's that going, man? Oh, good God. What, what do you have? Well, you know, God, I got a nice house, and I got a nice car, I got a pretty decent job, you know. I put my four girls through university. I, I, you know, I did this, I did that. And he goes, well, let's, uh, let's see. Uh, is any of this, will any of this burn up? Will any of this rust? Is, is there any corruption in any of this? Oh, it doesn't do me any good. Now, am I saying that you can't have good things on earth? I didn't say that. Okay, I'm not saying that at all. But it isn't any good. It doesn't matter. Instead, am I going to stand there and go, well, that's all I have to bring you, Lord. That's all I have to lay out before you, Lord. It's a difficult thing when we're here on this earth because you know, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, right? It's very easy to to grab a hold of of it and say, "No, I deserve this." You know, I deserve death. That's what I deserve. But Jesus died on the cross so I didn't have to. He gave us that grace. He suffered more than we could ever imagine. Because not only, not only did he suffer the most grueling death that, that has ever been invented by man. I mean, plenty of people have, have said that that's the most grueling death you could have. Not only that, but he, had, he took the sin of you and me and the whole world upon him, and he was a sinless, sinless human and God, right? He was both. He took it the weight of it. He had, I, he had never felt this before. He had never felt this before. That's why when a person comes to salvation, man, they'll start to cry, and, and, and they'll be like, oh, I, I just feel so different. Why? Because that blood has washed over. And it's taken that sin away. The weight of that sin is taken away. But Jesus spread his arms out and said, I'll take it on me for all of those who have not even got on this earth yet, For all the sin that they're going to commit, I'll take it. You know, when you talk to Will over here, and he talks about how the Lord has changed his life, he'll have tears come to his eyes because he is so passionate about what God's did in his life. We were watching a video uh, at his house uh, the other day, and he's like, this is my story right here. This song is my story. It's It's about a man who has turned his life over the Lord. I had everything but what was important to me was Jesus the rich young ruler he wasn't willing to suffer a little bit he wasn't he, the Bible says he walked away because he had much he walked away cuz he had much are we willing or are we gonna walk away because we have much are we willing to say yes we're willing to suffer or we say no. you know I'm just gonna do this I'm not saying you're not gonna make it to heaven you make it to heaven because you're justified through faith in Jesus Christ alone but when you get to heaven what are you going to be able to give to jesus and do you want to be do you want to be the, the 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 person down here on the bottom or do you want to be the person at the top say man i've got all these rewards that i've laid i'm laying out for you jesus these are all to you i did this for you i did this for you and i'm not saying you need to walk around going man i'm a great christian look at everything that i don't have because i'm living for the lord No, know walk around be positive be encouraging love people show the love of god to people encourage them and bless them and if you're going through a bad time you know let somebody pray with you but those other people don't don't go oh you know what i gave up everything so that so that you could see that i'm a christian no instead just say hey i'm here for you i i just want to tell you about the love of jesus i want to let you know that jesus loves you so much who's jesus You know, in America, people are getting to where they don't know who Jesus is. Did you know that only 20% of people in America even call themselves real Christians, real Christians, the the ones that say that they have been born again? Only 20%. And out of that 20%, the people only go to church three times out of every eight weeks, out of that 20%. Remember what I've, I've told you these stats, but I'm going to tell them to you again. Because it's important that we understand that people can come to our church who are already saved, but there are tens of thousands of people out there who are dying and go to hell okay we don't want to be we we don't want to be a place that just oh you got a new building you got new this new that so i'll go to your church because i'm tired of my church over here I want people to walk through the doors of the church and say, Ben, if I go to church here, I'm expected to live my life out for Christ in front of non-believers, in front of people who don't know Jesus. I'm expected to witness. I'm expected to tell them. I'm expected to hold a Bible study at my house if, if needed to get people where they need to be with the Lord. I'm expected to do more than to come and sit on a church pew three times out of every eight weeks and call myself a born-again believer. That's what I want. I don't want people coming in here and going, oh, it's a great place to go. They got air conditioning, they got, they got some music, you know, they got some children's ministry. That's a great place to go. One pastor was asked, and I probably told you this, but one pastor was asked the question, how did you get your church to grow? How did you get it to grow so big? So, you know, you'd think, man, the pastor would be like, man, I prayed, and I sought God, and I fasted, and I sought God some more, and I prayed. And then we started going out, and we started ministering to people. And boy, I tell you, revival occurred, and God came in, the Holy Spirit started moving, the church grew. But his answer was twofold. He says, how did I get this church to grow? Here's my secret. He says, I got, I got Xboxes and Playstations so that I could get the kids to come to church, and then I paid all my musicians. That way, there's no volunteers, and we had the best. That way people would come because we have, a great, we have great musicians and a great kids program. He was telling this to a person who needed Jesus. But what did that person hear? They didn't hear anything about Jesus. What they heard was, I did it my way. I did it my way. I didn't do it God's way. I did it my way. I'm not saying we can't use certain things to reach people. Don't get me wrong. All right? If you, you maybe invite somebody over to your house, I've done it before. You know, because I used to play, you know, video games a lot. And I'd invite people over that I knew to play video games with me. And we would we would have good relationship, bonding time, and have some food, just have some fun. And in the process, I'd talk about the Lord. But that, but so I'm not saying we can't have that. But the thing is, is the first thing, when somebody asks you, well, how did this, how, how did your church become? Let me tell you something. Our church didn't didn't get here because I had a lot of money or somebody gave us a lot of money or anything else. This church got here because... Christy and myself and Nina and my family were praying and saying, God, Lord, just, just give them wisdom and give them direction. And in that, God brought all of y'all that are here, they, God brought y'all here one at a time, one at a time, not because of anything that I did, but because of what the Holy Spirit did. I know I use Will as a, an example a ton, but, you know, it, it, he's got some good stories, okay? Will, Will he, he's driving by and he sees the sign, Right? And he says, oh, the Lord, something said, you need to try and limited church out. You look at Sax over here. You see Sax and I, we, we were in a car together in an in a Uber ride. And we began to talk, and we could feel the Holy Spirit. Both of us knew something was different between the two of us before we'd know it. One o'clock in the morning, I'm saying, hey, man, you should come visit the church sometime. He says, okay, I'll see you Sunday morning. And sure enough, he was here 30 minutes early at that. He was ready, him and Elise and, and, and and Sherelle, we're here. What, what, what do I say? Did, there's no gimmicks to it. It's God. And every one of you have your story of how you got here. But there was no gimmicks. It was God that got you here. And it's God that's kept you here. It's God that's kept you here. And in the future, God's going to do that. When we, about, when we talk about suffering and suffering for Christ's sake, remember the glory that awaits us. Remember the glory that awaits us. You, you, listen, I hope, I pray that you're a multimillionaire. And, and, and if you are, you better be generous and better be giving your tithes and, and trusting God, okay? But I hope, I, I want that because I want to take the, I want to take the riches of, of the wicked and I want to store it up in God's house and I want to give it to the Lord. You know what I'm saying? I want the Lord's people to be prosperous so that they can be prosperous. But the focus shouldn't be that. The focus should not be that if the Lord, if the Lord makes, you, makes you move to Two, which is in Africa, if the Lord makes you move to Timbuktu, in the middle of nowhere, to serve him, be ready to do that and say, God, I am willing to do whatever it takes because I know the glory that I have. And you know, always remember, you're storing up your treasures in heaven instead of on this earth where corruption is, okay? Praise God.